Hello, I'm Lara Hamilton. Welcome to Book Larder Podcast, where we share author talks from the kitchen of Seattle's Community Cookbook Shop. A few weeks ago, I came home from work to find a fairly despondent 12-year-old and various baking tins all over the kitchen. There was a regular cake tin, there were a couple of ramekins, a mini loaf pan, and they all had what looked like it probably should have been Alice's one bowl cake. Really hadn't turned out, I think, as she had planned, and she was pretty upset. So I was really trying to figure out, okay, what happened here, and thought, I wonder if she tried to scale up the recipe. She said, oh no, mom, I tried to triple it. When she realized how much batter she had, put it in all kinds of different vessels and baked them. And so there are a few things that went wrong there, but but just to be fair to her, besides just you know sort of writing down her measurements, scaling a recipe is not as easy as it seems. And what if you wanna go in the other direction and actually scale it down Instead of scaling it up, that can be even harder. What if a recipe calls for one egg? How do you divide an egg in half or even into fourths? So this is where today's guest comes in. Christina Lane graduated from university a few years ago and realized that if she wanted to make all of the things that she had enjoyed as a kid at home, she needed to scale the recipes, but that that wasn't always a simple task. And sometimes a recipe needs to be purpose-built for a smaller quantity, whether you're baking a cake, making a meatloaf, whatever it may be. She's a St. Louis-based author whose blog and first book, Dessert for Two, take the guesswork out of scaling down recipes. And with her latest book, Dinner Just for Two, Christina shares her secrets for getting a delicious meal perfectly scaled for two people on the table. We recorded her live in the Book Larder kitchen this summer. Here's Christina Lane and Dinner Just for Two. Thank you so much for coming. It's so beautiful here. I'm so grateful to be here. We absolutely love Seattle. My husband has family in the Tri-Cities area, like Pasco and Kennewick. So we come out here at least once a year, stop in Seattle, eat all the donuts, and then we go to Pasco. I'm really happy to be here. Something I like to talk about when I do book signings is how I got here, because this was not my projected path. This was not something that I ever thought I would do. If you've been around for a really long time on the blog, I used to be a farmer. I moved to California to go to grad school, and I got a job out of school farming. And I loved it, but the thing about farming is that you go to work really early to beat the sun. So I was at work 6.37 every morning, and then I would get off at 3.30 because it would be too hot to work. And coming out of going to college and grad school back to back, I was used to my entire schedule being full, just go to class all day and then study all night. So when I got off work at 3.30, I was bored and idle and I had nothing to do. And this was 2009 when food blogging had started. I was reading Pioneer Woman and Steamy Kitchen and Homesick Texan. I love those blogs and I knew I wanted to do it too, but I wanted to bring something different. I've always heard, you know, fortune favors the bold and be unique, be authentic. And one of the things that I was doing is scaling down recipes on my own. So my parents, my whole family was back in Texas and I was living in California. And every Sunday at my parents' house, my family gets together for a big Sunday lunch. 
It's usually 12.30. Everyone goes to church at their own separate places because we kind of live all spread out all over the Metroplex. And then we meet up at my parents' house. And so I would call on Sunday and be like, Mom, what are you making? I would just be so homesick. And I would want to make exactly what she was making, but I was living by myself in this little house in the country And I couldn't make my mom's Texas chocolate sheet cake because it was an 18 by 11 pan. And so she told me that's what she was making. So I thought, well, maybe I'll just scale it down. And I cut it into fourths, I think, or it might have even been eighths. And I started baking it in ramekins. And the first few times it was terrible. It either didn't rise or it rose too much and had a hump in the middle and sank again. But I just kept at it. And I thought, this is really fun. I really like doing this. I know it's crazy now to have eggs and decide if an egg yolk is going to go in a recipe or an egg white, but I really enjoyed doing it. It was something that took my mind off of working all day because agriculture was a very male-dominated field, and it was really nice to go home and cook and be in the peace and quiet of my own house after all the tractors and noise was going on around me. So I thought, this is what I'll blog about. I'll share my path of scaling down recipes. And I started with dessertfortwo.com, and I started scaling down desserts only. And I did that for about two or three years, and then people started asking for dinners. And I thought, well, I'm doing that anyway. I'm not making my mom's 9 by 13 lasagna. I'm making it in a bread loaf pan. Or I'm just naturally buying the pack of chicken breast and freezing half of them and freezing them in two-pack portions, one for dinner, one for lunch. And I thought, I can share what I'm doing. That's easy. And that, that's really when it became a passion for me that I realized that other people need these scaled-down recipes. Cooking for two is for single people. It's for newlyweds. It's for couples with kids. You put the kids to bed, and then you cook a little romantic dinner for two. And then it's for empty nesters. Empty nesters are my favorite. It's something that I love meeting people who've cooked all their lives for their kids. And then their kids go away, and they don't want a huge pan of lasagna. They want a small portion of dinner. It's, it spans the gamut of anyone can cook for two. So this is my fourth book. I'm not allowed to play favorites, but I have to say this was my absolute favorite one to write. I started a journal of every dinner that we like to eat a couple years ago. And it was just trying new recipes and really going based on cravings. Life had settled down after dessert for two and sweet and simple and comfort and joy. And I had a little more time on my hand. I'd gotten used to raising a baby and cooking. And I thought, I'm just going to make whatever sounds good every day. So I went to the market every day and cooked something that we wanted. And if I loved it, I wrote it down in the journal. And what you see in the book is all of the recipes from the We Love This, Make It Again page. So one of the other things that I did with this book um, is I really focused on food waste. When you're cooking for two, it can be hard to deal with scraps and leftovers. And If you buy an entire bunch of cilantro, I want you to go to the back and find all the recipes in the book that use cilantro. I don't want any cilantro sitting in your fridge turning black. So there's a great leftover section. So if you buy one pound of ground beef, usually cooking for two, you'll use half of it. So flip to the back, find another way to use it. Even a bottle of Worcestershire sauce. I don't know if that's how you guys say it. In Texas, we say wish to share. I'm going to give you recipes to use it because I don't want you to waste anything. So there's a big focus on food waste. And also something I did for crazy weeks, I did cook once, eat twice. Really, it's more like cook once and then here's four dinners for two to use it. So there's a section in here to teach you how to roast a chicken and then four chicken dinners for two. 
There's a way to use a pot of beans four different ways, a big batch of cheese sauce, which is my favorite, and four different ways to use that. So I really wanted you to have a, have a handle on the work week. If you have time to cook, there's great dinners for two in here that are really romantic. There's a skillet section. So if you're going to cook for two and it's romantic, you don't really want a big pile of dishes. That kind of kills the mood. So everything comes together in one skillet, maybe one cutting board, one skillet. Those are your only dishes. Yeah, so skillet meals, romantic dinners, and then the cook once, eat twice section. I loved writing it. I don't have everyone ask my favorite recipe. It's really hard. It pretty much changes every week. But I can say this is a book that I'm grabbing off my shelf still a year later and cooking out of it because it's truly what we love to eat. It's what Camille loves to eat. She would say her favorite is the peanut lime noodles. Mm -hmm. That was the first recipe I ever made for her. She turned to me, she was two, and said, Mama, this is good. I'm like, what? (laughs) You just complimented my food? So I put it in the book. So yeah, this is really all of my family's favorites. I love taking requests for recipes to scale down. I usually answer those requests on my blog, but some of them are in here too. I'm happy to answer any questions. Can you talk through your process of downsizing the recipe? Yeah. So it's different for savory and sweet. Savory recipes are pretty easy. I just cut them in half and then taste them and tweak. But desserts are a lot harder to scale down. Um, I usually cut those in half as well. And then based on the way it fails, I can tell what's wrong with it. Um, Because I started dessert for two in 2010. I finally went live. So I've been doing this scaled down, cut recipes in half and fail thing for nine years now. Um, So I know if my cookies spread, they have too much butter and I can fix it with a little more flour or less butter. I know if they're puffy and they don't flatten out, there's something wrong with the egg ratio. Something that I've done on the blog that I absolutely love is I went through, it took me probably six months, and I categorized every single recipe on the blog to one that uses an egg yolk or one that uses an egg white. So if you make one of my recipes and you have a leftover egg white, I want you to go to that page and click on leftover egg whites and find a way to use it. I don't want any wasted eggs. But yeah, scaling down dinners and savory food is a little easier. Oh, that reminds me. There is a bread section in this book. That was a really big request that I got from blog readers. So there's biscuits in here, non-breads. So the non-bread recipe makes just four little flat breads. That's perfect for us. We make pizzas with them all the time for Camille. Oh, there's a small batch of hamburger buns because I've never seen them sold in anything smaller than eight. And then my freezer is stacked full of them. And I mean, I mean that's great. Like we should freeze food and freeze our leftovers, but if we can just make smaller portions, I find that we're more willing, we cook more often and we're more willing to do it because if my fridge is full of cornbread and leftover hamburger buns, or my freezer is full of that, then I'm not going to cook anymore. You'll have to try that. And then several people have emailed me that that recipe can be used as hot dog buns too. So try that. It's a brioche-based dough. Any more questions? Do you have a favorite spice or flavor profile that you like to use? Ooh, so I love anything vinegar-based. There is a falafel bowl in here that has like quinoa on the bottom, little baked falafel. Yeah, lots of olives, a little scoop of hummus. I love that one. Which recipe took the most failures to perfect? Uh. Probably the non-bread because you really want those big brown specks on it to form before it burns. And you want to get brown specks on both sides without the middle being raw. I, yeah, I set off the fire alarm on that one at like 11 o'clock at night. We were just standing at the stove flipping non-breads and my husband's like, really? Camille's asleep. Really? We're going to do this right now. But I just 
got obsessed with it. And what turned out to be the final result is so good. I really like it. Yeah? Do you have a garden? And if you do, what kinds of things do you grow? Yeah, we do have a garden. Um, It's more out of guilt than like a love of gardening because my husband and I both have agriculture degrees. So I feel like, you know, neither of us are using them. We should, we should grow food. We should, this is what we're good at. Um, So he put in four little beds in the back. And then um, the one part of gardening we love is composting. So we have two big compost drums in the back, like those big black ones. Um, We make one bag of trash a week, hardly. It's amazing. But for cooking for two and gardening, I always grow herbs and onions because when you buy onions, it's, it's a whole bunch of scallions. And I do have a section for leftover scallions, um, but I can never get through a pack of those before some of them turn bad. So if you grow onions, you just cut off the little scallion. You don't have to let them go to the full bowl. Lots of herbs because, again, less waste. And then cherry tomatoes. We have a lot of those. Every year we say we're only going to plant one zucchini, One zucchini plant is enough for a family of three, but every year we plant six. So (laughs) grow a lot of zucchini, and then I'll grate it and freeze it. And then actually zucchini lemon muffins are hitting the blog next week. So great way to use it. How do you freeze the zucchini? Grate it and squeeze out the water. And then we have one of those uh, food savers. That's such a great thing when you're cooking for two and you're buying big packs of meat. I use the food saver a lot. I'm not sponsored by them. I would love to be sponsored by them, but I'm not sponsored by them. It's the one where you, it's like the vacuum sealer. You seal one edge, yeah, and then suck out the air. My um, parents got us one after Camille was born, and I thought, this is nuts. I'll never use it, and I use it every day. It's on my counter. Yeah? Someone asked a question sort of about failures, but are mm-hmm. there anything that you've, like, tried to, to minimize for two people that didn't really work out very well? Like- yeah, I feel like there's some bread recipes that got cut last minute because I could get them to work, but my, I, I send everything to my mom because she's 20 minutes away and she makes a lot of my recipes before they go on the blog too. And if, if she couldn't get it to work in the same way, it just got cut. So I think there's only, the biscuits in there are like the copycat red lobster ones because those are super easy. But yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, a lot of bread recipes, just too difficult. <laughs> so how long did you farm? I lasted five years in the corporate world. Yeah, and I, I worked in California, so that was really great. It was when I moved to the Midwest that I discovered a lot of like the sexism in the agriculture business, and I was thinking, you know, maybe this blog could be full-time, and I could take a little break and see how it goes. But yeah, my husband lasted a little longer. He did seven years, and then he left to do economic development. Yeah. So you often mention your husband, so what role does he play Yeah, he eats a lot. Um, Brian's hat is really, he would tell you it's everything that I don't want to do. Like um, receipts. No, I love dishes. I love like destroying my kitchen. And then I start left to right to clean my kitchen. I don't know. I put on music and I go left to right. I love that part. But he does accounting and receipts. Um, He does a lot of the publicity outreach. And he's just, he's just my rock I remember, remember I started Dessert for Two before I met him. And we had been dating just a few months. And we went on this like river float trip, like the Sacramento River. You can just float down the river. We went with all of our friends. And we all got back at 3 or 4 in the afternoon. And everyone went to take a nap. Everyone was exhausted. And I got up. And I opened my computer. And I started working on my blog. And so Brian finds me. And he's like, what are you doing? And I told him all about the blog and my 
pie in the sky goal of where I wanted the blog to go. And he said, okay. And he's been the biggest believer in it. There are times when I don't believe in it. There are times when Portland book signings get canceled and I'm so upset and down. And he just says, it's fine, big picture. So he kind of keeps me on the right track, but he's very, very big supporter. But yeah, he does publicity, accounting. Oh, he sh- he. up until this month, he was doing all of my video work. So he took a lynda.com course, taught himself how to shoot and edit video just for the blog. It was super sweet, um, but it was quite a time suck on him. So we just finally hired someone to do video stuff for us because we were doing it one day a week and that's four days a month of the same work. Now we do one day a month and we shoot five videos in one day and it's just more time efficient for us. Chief taste tester would be his like little line on his business card. <laughs> yeah. Who else do you try things out on as you're developing recipes? Like, is there, are there like levels? Like husband is round one and then your friends around two? Or? Yeah, definitely. I start with my family and then my neighbors because we live in one of these um, like master plan communities where we're all really social and we all know each other really well. And I can take something out to the fire pit and with little post-its. Like, what do you think of this? No judgment. Anonymous. And then if it's good and I think the recipe directions are solid, then I pass it to my mom. And my mom's very honest in the kitchen, and she also cooks very differently from me. So I don't mind destroying a kitchen. I don't mind using every pan. I'll clean it when I'm done. My mom is very like, use one bowl, one spoon, keep it neat and tidy. And if she tells me a recipe's easy, then I know it's easy. For me, easy is like, okay, we combine some ingredients and it tastes the way it should. But that's not truly easy. She, she has a better grasp on that than I do. Because I, I love to cook. This is my passion. You mentioned um, the Pioneer Woman. Who are some other food industry people who you admire? It's a good question. I started reading Eat, Live, Run a really long time ago. I think she really pioneered the What I'm Eating Today movement, which I love reading. I don't know why are we all so nosy. I love looking at what people eat during the day. Maybe that's my brain. I love Homesick Texan. I really related with Lisa because she was also from Texas and living far away from home and missing the food. She actually just moved back to Texas, though. Who else? Steamy Kitchen. Jaden was really influential. And Joy the Baker, of course. I feel like Joy the Baker, every time I see her, I'm just like, thank you. You made it possible for us to share desserts on the internet and make a living from it. I don't think she gets near enough credit for just being herself and putting herself online and creating a business out of it. Oh, Smitten Kitchen. How could I forget Smitten Kitchen? I love that Deb is just so authentic and she's going to do horizontal pictures forever, even though that doesn't do well. Like, but she's, she's rock solid enough that she does what she wants. I'm, I really admire that authenticity. But it's such an amazing blogosphere. I don't love that word, but that's what it is. I mean, there's like 45,000 blogs right now. I just, I, and people email me, how do I start? And it's just do it. Just find what you're passionate about. Don't copy anyone. Be yourself. What are some of your um, favorite uh, extravagant recipes to cook? Definitely the croissants. Because I say it's extravagant because it's a three-day process, but it's easy. It's you do a little bit over three days, and at the end you're going to get four beautiful, perfect croissants. And if you mess them up, if you're not great about folding or you lose track, you're still going to get crescent rolls, which are just as delicious. 
But yeah, anything pastry, I would say. And there actually is um, my one of the recipes on my blog, the 15-minute puff pastry. I love that recipe. I use it so much. I used it for little mini quiche Lorraine cups in here. I would say that's an extravagant recipe for this book because you make the pastry shell and bake it. Then you make the filling, and the filling requires you to have caramelized onions. I give a, a way to do that in the Instant Pot and a way to do it on the stove and crisp the bacon. And that's not very typical for my recipes to use that many pans and that many components. But that's a, that's a good place to start. When you're planning out your content for your blog, how far in Yeah, so I started batch working about a year ago, and it changed my life. Uh, one day a month, I start my list of things that I want to make, and we'd cook six recipes in a day, photograph them the next day, then do uh, photo editing that third day, and then I just take my time throughout the month organically writing the posts. Writing a post is something I could never kind of cram into an hour time slot. And I, I want my writing to be real and authentic. So we get the hard work out of the way. And then whenever Camille's asleep or in bed for the night, then I'll, I'll write the post. But yeah, we try to do six. I'm trying to push it always. I'm trying to get two recipes out of one and get seven posts. But yeah, it ends up being like three days a month of work and then writing throughout. And then the rest of the days of the month are really um, like outreach and promotion, social media, and then pie-in-the-sky goals of, like, I, I want to do Food Network. And I've been saying this for five years, but I've not taken any steps towards it because we do the easy things in life. We do the things that we know we're good at. So it's easy for me to write a to-do list, make six recipes, photograph six recipes, then post them on the blog. That's easy. So I'm, I'm going to go for that gold star on my to-do list of crossing it off, did that. The harder things like network and send those emails that are going to get ignored and lean on a friend who knows a friend. That kind of stuff is the hard stuff for me. And my husband was really instrumental in saying, you need to carve out time and do the hard things. You can't just do the easy things in life and skate by. So that went a little philosophical. But. <laughs> <laughs> for, for your writing of your blog post, do you usually Sequentially. I don't, I don't know that I'm smart enough to do green tea cupcakes and lemonade over here. You know, I think of my intros and what I want to say about a recipe while I'm cooking it. And I, for the longest time, wasn't writing that down. So I would be done with my week and I would have six recipes in front of me and need to start writing and have nowhere to go. So now my, I have my journal, and on the left side is my recipe, and the right is where I'll start writing. Okay, I want to make this because... Camille saw a pinata cake in this month's Food Network magazine, and now she's, maybe it was Rachel Ray. One food magazine this month had a pinata cake, so I, that's why I'm making it. So I want to capture those head notes to help me write, and then I just go from there. When you do have your Food Network show, what would, <laughs> your, what would your dream kind of theme of the show be? I think that cooking for two can be a little small. And when we talk about Food Network, there has not been an idea that they haven't been pitched. So my kind of unique take would be, let's start small. So I think anyone can learn to cook by cooking for two. Even if you're not a household for two and you've never made scones, let's make four before we make the recipe that makes two dozen. So it would be kind of a learn how to cook using a small recipe. And then from there, if you want to go on and make Pioneer's Woman for pumpkin scones, go for it. It's delicious. But I'll teach you how to make four and then you're more comfortable in the kitchen. 
So yeah, that's, great. that's all Brian. That's not me. He was he he thought of it in the middle of the night. He trademarked the phrase "Let's start small." I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, some something along those lines because I wanted to appeal to everyone. Yeah, I think you know TV is such a weird business, but I really do think it's the best way to teach people. You look around; everyone's on their phone. Everyone has earbuds in. We're learning stuff online all the time, and so I just think that's the best way to reach the most amount of people because we all should cook more. Restaurants are great, but we should all be cooking at home more. What do you think of doing corporate events? Like I'm in tech, mm -hmm. and like everybody gets fed food like by their company, and as a result is thirty and has no idea where to even start. So like, have you right. considered doing events for like young professionals in tech, for example? <laughs> I did private chefing for a while, and I loved it. The way I would do it is I would go over one day a week to each of my families and I would prep them five different recipes. That was kind of the early start for the cook once, eat twice section of this book. And I loved it and it was going really great. And then I started getting asked to do events and put the brakes really quickly because that's it's just so many irons in the fire. It's so many things and it's passing off. Like you make the cornbread, I'll make this and then you make that. Part of the reason I run my own business is because I'm not great at delegating. I'm not great at passing things on. I'm great at making a giant to-do list and tackling it. And when you do those big events, you're really forced to let go and teach other people. That's not my wheelhouse. <laughs> if you want to do that, I think that's awesome. And I think it's really smart because you're right. We go through school. We don't prioritize cooking. And then you're out on your own and you have a little expendable income. And then you realize how expensive restaurants are and you want to cook. But where, where do you go? YouTube and Food Network, I'm guessing, but that's a really good idea. Yeah, food blogs. How did you learn how to cook? Because you see on your blog, like, you're so knowledgeable about, oh, like, what this does to that, and then, like, kind of the science of it. Like, did you ever take baking or cooking classes? I did. When I was living in California, I took some classes at, um, it's a now, the cooking school closed. It was called the Taunt Marie, and I would do pastry classes. You know, the Taunt Marie? Yeah, it was such a great place. Um, but really, I grew up in a big family that loves food, and my great-aunt Rose owned a restaurant, and so I always grew up around the restaurant culture and the feed and army culture. Like I said, every Sunday, my family had people over, and we would cook for everybody. And when, still to this day, when my family sits around and talks, the thing that gets the most of us talking and participating is restaurants and what have you eaten and what are you cooking? So I just think I've been around food for a long time. I do read food magazines like a nut job. Like I, the mail is just out of control because I'm always interested in that. Sometimes I think about like what would I do if I wasn't into food? Who knows what passion I would have? But it's it's food for me. It always has been. It's crazy. I went down the path of growing food for the longest time, and I really probably should have gone down the cooking food path a little earlier in life. But yeah, good question. Yeah. What books do you like to? I'm halfway through Where the Crawdads Sing. Does anyone read it? Oh my gosh. I've heard you just don't want it to end. Yeah. Um, I love books like that that just take my mind off of this hamster wheel that I'm always on of like blog post, pursue big career goals. Like, so anything like fantasy. I just finished um, four biographies about Freddie Mercury. If you know me on Instagram, I'm obsessed with Freddie Mercury. He's my guardian angel, in my opinion. Um, so I love biographies. I love when people are honored when they're alive, so I'm really excited for the Elton John movie as soon as we 
wrap this up. We're going to hopefully see it on Friday. <laughs> well, thank you, Christina. We're so thank glad you. to have you here. Thank you to Christina Lane for visiting us in Seattle. As always, you can get 10% off a copy of Dinner Just for Two or any other books featured on the Booklarder podcast by visiting booklarder.com and entering the code PODCAST at checkout. And if you visit us in person, just mention that you learned about the book on the podcast and you can receive 10% off in-store as well. This podcast is produced and edited by Abby Circatella. Our theme music is by James Coley. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where our handle is at BookLarder. To learn more about BookLarder, including author talks, cooking classes, and to sign up for our monthly email newsletter, head to booklarder.com. And if you find yourself in Seattle, visit us at 4252 Fremont Avenue North. I'm Laura Hamilton. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.